everybody. Welcome to the Inside Edge podcast. My name is Daniel Conmey alongside Kenny Kendrina. Uh, hello, Kenny. How are you doing? Great, DC. How are you, man? Good, good. Uh, this is uh, our, our first time trying out a podcast. Uh, you know, obviously we might be a little bit late to the game, but, uh, you know, better late than never, I think people say. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, let's get started quickly. Uh, we have a couple questions. I, I have a couple questions given, you know, the landscape of Major League Baseball right now. And then you have a bit of a stat segment we'll get to at the end of the show. So we at in, uh, Inside Edge, we're a stats-based company. We, we work with teams. We, you know, work with uh, some fans, definitely some media companies. And one of the things we like to see, much like writers of the game or maybe quirkier fun ideas that could happen in 2020. Obviously, it's a very, very uh, uh, unique year. It's something that we won't see again. So this might be the perfect testing grounds to test something that uh, was never seen before. So Kenny, with that being said, do you have any fun ideas or things that you want to see implemented in 2020? So DC, you know, uh my favorite topics tend to be more in the weeds, but the, but these are fun too. So I guess I would take a crack at it and say I do like the automated strike zone idea. Um, if they can, you know, obviously prove the accuracy levels of that right. with, a, with a new system. I mean, with Hawkeye coming in, it's all new. And so you can only think they're going to need another year. I know they've tried it out in some places, but uh, I'm not even sure. Have they tried the Hawkeye system out in maybe spring training they started to, right? Yeah, that's, that's a good question. I know in the Arizona Fall League using previous systems and you, you know, the fun thing for me, Kenny, and you've seen it too, is like you see some of the strikes that are called and traditionally we see those and you're like, that doesn't look like a strike, you know, in 2019. I, that doesn't, you know, we chart every every pitch, you know, right. we see what, what are strikes, what aren't strikes and a lot of them are questionable. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, so like you said, it'd, it'd be nice to have... Uh, you know, just a refined system. I, I agree with that. Yeah, that'll be uh, that'll be pretty cool, and and the consistency of it is is going to be nice to have. Uh, it's kind of ridiculous if you think about how certain umpires have their zones and other umpires have their zones, and they're different. Um, and so I think I, I wonder, uh, generally speaking, around the game, what players and managers think of of this idea. I would have to guess they're all, for the most part, most of them are in favor of it. Uh, right. Have, you, have yeah. you heard anything there or any feedback on that? Uh, in general, it does seem they would like consistency. But at the same time, if I'm a pitcher that is able to paint corners, let's say, you know, like a, a Greg Maddox, someone with incredible or an impeccable control, mm-hmm. you know, do I not get that, that inch off, off the plate now? Is that right. something that pitchers might not necessarily uh, appreciate as much as hitters? Yeah. Certain guys, for sure. I was and Maddox is the perfect example. Uh, if you watch some of that old footage, right? And mm-hmm. I, I used to watch tons of it. Uh, he was he was one of my guys. Him and and Tewksbury, Bob Tewksbury. Um, but you'd, you'd watch those guys pitch, and they were all about just just impeccable command and and getting those calls off the plate was it would happen all the time. I, I just I would do wonder about that. How different of a of a guy would Maddox be today? He'd find a way, but <laughs> it would be different. Of course, of course, yeah. yeah. And and you know that's just the evolution of the sport. I mean, we're seeing high strikes, high pitches more often in yeah. you know 2019 MLB season and 2020. I'm sure we'll see the same. So, 
Uh, do you have any other thoughts, any other ideas on something that would want to be that you would want to have added? Uh, this one might be more controversial, or maybe more people would disagree with this one. But I would love to see the what's been talked about a little bit with ending extra innings quicker. Um, I think get to that tenth inning and let's just throw a runner on either first or second and speed this puppy up and get it over because you still have to compete. Uh, a 20 inning game is not fun for anybody. <laughs> I don't care what anybody says. That's not fun. Uh, let's let's inject a little excitement at the end of that thing and also get it done quicker. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I think that's going to be tough. I'm sure the home team's advantage, which is already great, I'm sure, <laughs> rises a bit more. Hmm, uh, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Which will be interesting if it is if it is implemented again. I know they've done it at the minor league levels a bit. Um, it, it's, it doesn't seem correct at this point, obviously, because, you know, anyone growing up playing baseball, it just seems so different. But, you know, yeah. you have Little League tournaments, you have, you know, all of these tournaments at all these different levels where they do certain things like this to get it into a certain uh, range of time. And mm-hmm. that's a big thing that Rob Manfred uh, has said. He wants to get, you know, pace of play. Pace of play has been a big, big topic, you know, for mm-hmm. the MLB. Mm-hmm. Uh and actually, I would like to answer this question as well because pace of play might be brought up with me uh, in this idea. And I've talked about this in the office before, Kenny, and, and uh, no one's buying it. No one, no one likes what I'm selling, that's for sure. Uh, <laughs> what do you got? What, what I have is talking about Little League is a, is a mercy rule in some okay. way. Mm-hmm. And I want a, t- a 10 run rule is what I would like implemented. And I understand that that it might break the integrity of the game in some way. But let me give you some numbers. I, I want to make sure this is backed up uh, with a bit of science, I guess, or a bit of data. So one thing that we saw from the 2007 season onward to present day, we there were 482 games where a team game came back from five or more runs. So mm-hmm. it happens. It happens over, let's say, 12 seasons, uh, including playoffs, that's a good chunk of data, a good chunk mm-hmm. of time. Uh, only three games did a team come back from 10 or more runs. Hmm. And that is very small. So that's why I think 10 is a big cutoff. We are cutting off three games uh, from possibly occurring. And some people might say, you know, what about those three games? The excitement that was created for the home team were saying, oh, I was there. I have the tickets for that. Sure. Whatever it might be. But I want to give you some numbers, and we're going to flip over now to win expectancy or win probability added here. Yep. Uh, excuse me, it should be win expectancy. Uh, on October 9th, 2019, Game 5, the NLDS Cardinals versus the Braves, where the Cardinals scored 10 runs in the first mm-hmm. inning. Mm-hmm. The Braves' win expectancy in that game was 2.1% at the end of the first inning. Top of the first, that is. Okay. And... That is probably the, the best odds of a 10-run game, uh, given the fact that the Braves have 27 outs still to play with. They have yep. the most amount of outs. I'm not saying that the game should be over after the top of the first. That'd be a bit right. ridiculous. Right. I think we should wait until the fifth inning. Okay. Uh, and I have another example of that. July 25th, 2019. It was Yankees well, versus... DC, hold on a sec. What happened in that particular game... After the fifth inning, was it still a 10-run deficit at it that point? It was still a 10-run deficit, yes. Very good question. Okay. Um, so that would have been, yeah, that one would have been, yeah, right there. 
Exactly. And, and I want to be honest, you know, that, that would have worked. You know, that would have worked yeah. for, in, in my favor in, in this sense. Uh, another one in 2019 uh, is July 25th, uh, Yankees versus Red Sox. At the end of the five innings, Red Sox were up 15 to 3. Okay. And their chance of winning was 99.7%, or the Yankees' chance of winning was 0.3%. Hmm. So there are 2,430 games in a major league baseball season. And if we use that 0.3% win expectancy, seven games could theoretically come back. They could come back and win, if I'm doing this correctly. Okay. And that is if every game has a 10-run deficit. So we're talking about very minuscule, minuscule odds. Yep. In baseball history, there are only 90 games with a win expectancy of 0.3% or lower, hmm. where the uh, trailing team has gone on to win that game. Wow! So we're 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 missing ninety games in all of Major League history, and maybe it's me uh, wanting uh, faster games because we have to chart everything. You know, we don't want to be there at two in the morning. <laughs> yeah. But it's it's just something to think about uh, when it comes to maybe speeding things up in. I understand the the argument here is, hey, I paid for a ticket. I want to watch the whole game. I think that's why this season is a perfect season to try it. Hmm. If there are no paying customers at the gate, uh, this might be a chance to to see what could occur, what could change uh, mm-hmm. in, in the game. And I know, I understand that this is is very far away from from all of all of baseball and how baseball is played, but. Just something to think about. You know, we do it at different levels. We do it at lower levels. Why not try it at the biggest stage? Yeah, um, I'm not offended by that at all. I, th- <laughs> I, I could see where you get some uh, pushback from guys in the office. No question. Uh, you know, I could, I could think of uh, what that, what that must sound like in the office when you bring this one up. It's probably pretty fun. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh but, yeah. Uh, you know, but you make a really good point. If you're going to try it, this is a good year to do it. Uh, it's not like uh, the guy who's there to have a couple of beers and, and some hot dogs. He's the one that's probably most upset if he has to go home after five innings and can't have one more or whatever, right? But the fridge is still right there if you're doing it during quarantine. So <laughs> exactly, <laughs> I, I don't think there's... Yeah, and I mean, you, you've obviously made some... You backed up with some data there that's, that's good. I mean... Uh, Super rare, super rare. I mean, it's it's, but it is awesome to watch comebacks. Um, but it's, I don't know. They're talking about three games with a ten-run deficit over the last how many years is that? Twenty-three. Twelve. Twelve years. Yeah. Oh, that's terrible math by me. But yeah, that's uh, <laughs> that's not too many. That's not too many. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I. Yeah, and so and and the other point might be: look, you could be down by nine runs, you're still playing, uh, and that's a long way to come back too. So. It's not like you're being that strict with it. You know what I mean? Exactly. Exactly. And once again, I think five innings after five innings of play is a good cutoff. You know, mm-hmm. there's a lot of outs left to play with earlier in the game. Yep. Uh, yep. One more thing on this topic that MLB has talked about and possibly will implement is a universal DH. Uh, mm-hmm. People have wanted this for the most part. When, when, when people look at uh, the OPS or the weighted runs created plus of, of pitchers, mm-hmm. you know, they, uh, they want to see this more, but then there's the occasional hitter like a, a Zach Greinke, you know, maybe Madison Bumgarner when he, 
you know, connects with a home run or something like that, right. you'll be missing out on that. Do you see a downside to the universal DH? Well, I mean, you, you missed the biggest one would be Bartolo, right? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but there'll probably never be another one of him. So, no, I don't. I think it's probably time to, to do it. Um, <laughs> we, we This game moves so slowly, right? Tradition just, there's, there's so many that want to just hold on to it. But um, it's another one where maybe I'm more progressive. I don't know. Somewhere in between, I think. But I would have no problem with uh, universal DH. It's just uh, get your best hitters up there and also... Uh, let your pitchers not have to worry about stuff they're they're really not there to do. Right. Yeah. Do Do you think it's important? Maybe anything about the injury concern for pitchers? Do Do you think they care in any way? Possibly. You know, I honestly do think a lot about bunting, and and that it would be interesting to look at data wise. There's probably not much there until we start tracking our we're tracking injuries now, so we can do this, uh, I guess. But. Um, Bunting is something that I've always, it's, you put yourself into such a, uh, a position of, you know, where injury, I think, goes up. You, you're just standing there with a bat in your hands. And, and there's, I don't know, maybe you could think of some examples. I, I know I've seen where guys get hit and it's ugly. Um, but you're kind of defenseless, I guess, was the word I'm thinking about. Um, I don't know if that's what you were asking about when, you ask, when you're, you know, talking about injury. But to me, not having to go out there and bunt... <laughs> It, it saves you the possibility of being injured. Yeah, and, and realistically, bunting seems like a, a poor strategy nowadays. And the first thing I thought of when you said pitcher injury was uh, Max Scherzer, when he bunted, and I think he bunted a ball at batting practice into his eyes. That's right. Uh, yep. He still did pitch that game, but still, it's that's one of the, the first yeah. things I think about. Right, stuff uh, like that. Yep, yeah. yep, I remember that one. All right, moving on. Actually, you have something that you brought to the table here in... You've explained this all to me, and I'd love to hear it again. I found it fascinating, <laughs> and this is all about Garrett Cole. So I'll let you, uh, I'll let you take the lead yeah. on this one. Well, the interesting thing is I'm not normally the type of guy who loves to watch a Garrett Cole pitch, believe it or not. Uh, <laughs> I should back that up by saying, you know, as a former, like, short right-hander who barely broke 83 miles an hour on a good day, uh, I used to love, like I said before, the Greg Maddox and Bob Tewksbury kind of guys who painted Mm -hmm. And so with Cole, I just found this thing remarkable about his strikeout rate with left-handers. And here's a guy who didn't strike out very many left-handers, but now 44% strikeout rate against lefties last year, DC. Oh, wow. Okay. And that it was that the highest in all of baseball or of right-handed pitchers? So that's the highest in all of baseball by a lot. And in fact, uh, if you look at, I've got a graph on my screen, I wish we could show, but, uh, up until 2018, when guess what happened? He changed teams, right? He goes to the Astros, and he's he was 23 percent strikeout rate against lefties, 22.8 percent strikeout against lefties in 2016 and 17. Then he goes to the Astros, and that number goes up to 41 percent. Oh wow! And then and then last year 43 percent. So it, it was just one of those interesting things. You're looking at uh, remarkable is one of our applications, as you know, and it just it, it's. Uh, it's great at just telling you what's remarkable about players. So I started looking at a note like that, which is a very simple thing. You led the league in strikeout rate against lefties, but you just kind of want to drill down sometimes for their well, well why. Mm -hmm. And and the the reason for it, and it's probably been talked about before, but um, you know he turned himself into one of these throw the pitch up in the zone against lefties, throw your hard fastball up in the zone that is 
pretty irresistible and nearly impossible to hit for those left-handed batters especially. Um, and so he went from using that fastball up with two strikes uh, 37-ish percent of the time to going to the Astros and with two strikes to 60%, and then last year 64%. It's better with a graph, believe me. I'm butchering all these numbers, but the <laughs> but the the point is throwing it a whole lot more, and it's such a simple thing. It seems like right. I, um, yeah. you know, you, you just realize that you've got a weapon that you've just been underutilizing, and and just by using it more, uh, the results are pretty incredible. Um, but that also led to some other sort of research, I guess, just looking at it from a few different angles here, um, checking my notes. But one of the other kind of interesting things that popped out of here was I did want to look at how often he strikes out right-handers. Cole led the league in strikeouts last year, mm-hmm. so he's not just getting lefties out. But if you look at uh, – I, I went and I looked he's, – he's really good at the whole teeter-totter approach, right? It's not just that fastball up. That's coupled with the breaking ball down, and he's outstanding there too when you look at strikeouts and where he ranks. Right, right. Um, it's in, and they go together, as you know, same release point, and it's really hard for hitters to pick up either one of those things, and they kind of have to guess almost which one it's going to be. But um, So just looking at that and, and the fact that Cole, if you check out left-handers, let me back up, left-handed batters with the strikeouts up in the zone mm-hmm. on fastballs, Cole leads the league with 71 last year. The next closest was 44. So we've established he's, he's, he's killer there. Uh, but he also was eighth when it came to right-handed batters swinging at fastballs and striking out on fastballs up in the zone with 46. Then I looked at breaking balls to lefties down and breaking balls to righties down. Well, if this is making sense, hopefully, mm-hmm. uh, there's four categories of strikeouts, and Cole was in the top 15 in all four, and he was the only guy in the top 15 in all four. So that was what another thing that sort of trickled out of this uh, this one simple note that we were looking at um, it's really pretty incredible he's got just total domination of hitters from both sides of the plate yeah and and obviously he's a good pitcher he has that you know triple digit fastball you know a sweeping slider a great curveball uh, mm-hmm. it'll be interesting to see him on the Yankees if he can replicate <laughs> just an incredibly dominant season and a great postseason as well in in 2019 yep absolutely all right that will be it for our first our inaugural podcast we have a couple reminders for you we have a new website coming out my inside edge and it is coming soon do you want to talk a little bit about that kenny love to yeah so we're excited about this uh the first time ever that inside edge has ever come out uh with something for the public essentially uh, my inside edge is really your own personal inside edge. It's going to be something for fans, for fantasy players, for sports betters. Finally, a, a way for people out there to get a look at this wonderful engine and this database that we have that uh, hopefully will deliver plenty of really interesting insights for you, for you guys, whichever of those groups you are. And, uh, and even stuff like what I just mentioned with Cole, you'll get a chance to see some of those numbers uh, in the blog that we'll have, or if you want to call it a blog, it'll be a, the middle section of the site where we can offer some editorial. Um, a lot of just good data-driven stuff, but, but a little tiny splash of uh, editorial as well. Great, and uh, thank you for listening, and we will talk to you guys again shortly. All right, thank you. Thank you.